Good morning to everybody. Welcome to everybody here at Grace Church and everyone joining us over the internet. We're so glad to have you all here with us this morning. And we're going to start, um, before we have our scripture reading, we're going to start with hymn number 255, Blessed Assurance. If you all want to make your way in here and find your way to your seats. in your hymnal and it's up on the board blessed assurance can you all stand with me blessed assurance Jesus is mine oh what a foretaste of glory divine heir of salvation purchase of God born of his spirit and washed in his blood this is my story my song. I'm praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. I'm praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight. Visions of rapture now burst on my side. Descending, bring from above echoes of mercy, whispers of love. This is my story, this is my song. I'm praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. I'm praising my Savior. submission all is at rest I and my Savior am happy and blessed watching and waiting looking above filled with his goodness lost in his love this is my story this is my song I'm praising my Savior Savior all the day long. Yes, praising my Savior all the day long. Amen. What a great hymn. Well, why don't you guys go ahead and be seated? I think we're still awaiting Brother Bill to come in here. So we'll do number 50. Nathan asked to do this one yesterday, so we'll do this, Fairest Lord Jesus. You all had a good week? (laughs) (laughs) Number 50 in your hymnal. It's up on the board. Fairest Lord Jesus, ruler of all nature, Glory, joy, and 
Father that is yet alive, I hope you'll communicate with him and tell him how much you appreciate what he did for you. David says in Psalm 1, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, or stands in the way of sinners, or sits in the seat of the scornful. His delight is in the law of the Lord, that is the word of God. And in his law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let us pray. Our Father, we call upon you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We call upon you today to thank you for the fathers and the dads that are with us here in this place and across the nation. We realize, Lord, that we fall far short. We, we realize that even the very best of us are altogether vanity in thy sight. But we thank you for the great mercy that you've bestowed upon us through our Lord Jesus Christ. We ask you to send an, a, an awakening in this nation, a revival, that you would awaken the men, that they will call upon the name of the Lord and they will take their rightful place of leadership of their families and of their children, that we might not just be providers only, but that we might be the spiritual teachers and leaders of our family. O oh Lord, have mercy upon us. Remember us in this hour. 
We ask you to bless us today in our study of your word, and we ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and for his sake. Amen. All right. Let me make one more announcement here. Uh, there's a Bible. It's a new international Bible, and we've had it for several weeks, and we're just trying to find out whose Bible it is. It does have a set of notes inside of it. Uh, these notes have to do, I think, with the second coming of Christ. It's called Returning. If you are uh, on this Bible, if this is your Bible, uh, then come up and claim it. Let us know. I'll put it down here on the, on the Lord's table for you if you know anybody that has lost the Bible, okay? All right, Brother Joshua, thanks. Okay, so I think we've got enough time. Miss Lynn asked to do Feeling Mighty Fine this morning, but I think we have time for one more before that. So let's do um, On the Authority. That's another upbeat one. You guys are going to have to take a lot of deep breaths this morning. All right, so hopefully you remember this one. Miss Sue, I might change the tempo on you there from what you had there. So many years I've cried Cause my soul denied That he would save a wretch like me So full of gloom and dread That I hung my head I wouldn't claim the victory But then one day his love Like a wing dove Settled down upon my life And I realized he had all my ticket to paradise on the authority of the holy word i rise up and take my stand i'm a blood-bought child of the living god who is the great i am i'm an heir to all that heaven holds and a prince mentality set me right beside his throne why he guarantees with a sealed decree my inheritance by right i'm his favorite child and that makes me smile i'm the center of his delight on the authority of the holy word i rise up and take my stand I'm a blood-bought child of the living God who is the great I am. I'm an heir to all that heaven holds and no principality can ever take away my royal crown. Give it on his authority, on the authority of the blood-bought child of the living God, who is the great I am. I'm an heir to all that heaven holds. 
y'all hear that? Um, on the authority of the Holy Word. That's talking about Jesus. He is the Holy Living Word, is He not? So it, it said, uh, was that verse 2? Uh, I'm a blood-bought child of the living God who is the great I am. There was, a, there was one part said, my inheritance by right. That's not our right, is it? That, that right was purchased by Jesus on the cross. That's, that's why, that's what that whole song's talking about. We have a right and inheritance standing upon the Holy Word, the living Word of God, and that's Jesus. Isn't that good? I love that song. Okay, Miss Lynn, Brother Bill, I think we're going to do, uh, she wanted to do Feeling Mighty Fine. That's good. Can y'all stand up for this one? Stand up, jump up and down. That song just woke us up, so now y'all are awake. Come on, come on, come on. Hey, Bob and Julie, good to see you. And Diane. Y'all sing with us, okay? I woke up this morning feeling fine. I woke up with heaven on my mind. I woke up with joy in my soul. Cause I knew my Lord had control I knew I was walking in the light Cause I've been on my knees in the night And I prayed to the Lord to give me sight And now I'm feeling mighty fine Well, I'm feeling mighty fine I've got heaven on my mind Jesus all the time We're walking and talking as we climb We're traveling a road to the sky Where with Him will we die? He's been telling me all about that land And He tells me that everything is grand And He says that a home will be mine Shine. Always shine. Down 
She's better. Ruby Perry, you're better, aren't you? Or you wouldn't be here. <laughs> All right, she's doing well, and who else has been sick? Shirley Murphy's here, smiling. She's got Diane with her, her daughter. That makes her happy. <laughs> Marie's here. All these people we've prayed for, it's a miracle. Bob and Julie are here. Who else? Who else has been missing? Leslie and Robert. I'm just thinking, and the <laughs> Bollingers are here. <laughs> We're glad to have you on Father's Day. It's a special day. Uh, every day is Father's Day around our house. You know how that is. Y'all all know that, don't you? <laughs> oh, they're number one, and I'm glad. All right, I'll let y'all sit down. Or Bill, you want him to stand up? Brother Todd. Brother Todd, you do. You tell him what. To, you tell him what to do. Good morning. We're going to take a moment to mention a few prayer requests and ask that as the Lord calls them to your mind this week that you would lift them up before the Lord. I certainly want to add my happy Father's Day to all of you fathers. <clears throat> we want to continue to pray for Lee Barton. Lee continues to go through chemotherapy treatments and continues to suffer almost on a daily basis. He's going to be at least having chemo uh, treatments through the month of September. So let's remember him before the Lord and also for Judy as she ministers to his needs. We do want to lift up Judy LaPetri. Uh, she continues to suffer from this dementia and Alzheimer's and uh, similar uh, episodes of that nature. Calvin continues to minister her needs daily as well as help from his two daughters and is grateful to have hospice there to help them as well, but continue to lift up that family. Uh, again, Marie Dalton is here today. We want to continue to pray that Marie will be given wisdom that she might do the things necessary to avoid kidney failure, which she is on the verge of. We also want to continue to remember uh, uh, David Simmons, who has been diagnosed with kidney cancer. Uh, I received a message yesterday from Harwell Horton. Some of you may know Harwell and Karen Horton. They've asked the church to pray for an important unspoken request on their behalf, so let's lift them up before the Lord. <clears throat> we also want to remember uh, Carolyn Bat, Gladys Alquist, and her son, Paul Alfred, and his wife, Diane. <clears throat> Shirley Murphy's sister, Brenda Fay, as well as Howie Smith, who's serving in the military. <clears throat> as Becky has mentioned, uh, we mentioned last week, uh, some of, the, some of the family of the Smiths have lost their lives recently. We want to play for the Burchett family and also the Back family. Uh, they, Larry lost his, uh, Larry's brother, Randy, lost his mother-in-law who passed away, and also Larry's nephew uh, passed away suddenly, unexpected recently, and uh, they have ordered an autopsy for him but have not received results for that. Let's remember those families. We also want to remember Ed Adamowitz. Ed spoke to the congregation last week and spoke of uh, his diagnosis with the stomach cancer. So let's be in prayer for him as he will begin going through chemo treatments, I believe, very soon. Uh, so let's lift up that family uh, as they go through this ordeal. Becky also uh, has a friend named Lori 
who suffered a stroke and has uh, since been in a coma. She has two children and or two girls, should I say, and one son who is severely disabled and in a wheelchair. So let's remember that family and specifically Lori. We also want to remember uh, that we have uh, and I invite you to join us for our midweek Bible study on Tuesday nights at 645. The church is gathering here to have a Bible study. <clears throat> For those of you who are watching via the internet, it is a recorded study and so that you can watch it live or watch it after the fact. <clears throat> and of course, if you want to download any of those services on the three platforms, either one of them affords you the opportunity to download those services. And in addition, you can make a request here by filling out a slip on the table in the foyer uh, to request any of the, of the messages that we teach here, which are available on CD or DVD. Uh, Ed Edamowitz and also brought in a number of uh, COVID tests. If any of you are interested, he's left those uh, free of charge for you available on the table in the foyer. Uh, so avail yourself if that's something that interests you. And of course, if you'd like to support the ministry of Grace Church, there's also an offering box located on that table that you can uh, put your tithes and offerings in. And we just ask that you would pray that the Lord would give the leaders of the church wisdom as we use those funds for the furtherance of the gospel and for his glory. Yes, ma'am. I heard J.W. Wright, but I didn't hear who he was. Your cousin. Okay, Linda's cousin, J.W. Wright, passed away this week, and she's asking you to pray for their family as well. Any other announcements? Yes, sir, Ed. What I'd like to do this morning at this time is to have you stand together with me one more time and we're going to read the scripture and then I'll say to the musicians the song that we talked about doing we'll probably do that at the end of the service today. Now, if you turn in your Bibles to the book of Joshua, the Old Testament book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24, and let me say again, we wish all of the fathers a happy Father's Day. And the subject that I've chosen today from Joshua chapter 24 is a word from the Lord to all men. A word from the Lord to all men. Joshua chapter 24, and we'll survey some of it in a moment, but verse 15 Joshua 24, verse 15. 
If it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods from your fathers that your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood are the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word. Let God's people say praise the Lord. And you may be seated. Now I want you to turn to chapter 23. If you have your Bible, we have ordered 25 extra pew Bibles that are scattered throughout the pews here. So everybody can have a Bible. If you're not familiar with the Bible, you can look in the table of contents and find the book of Joshua, and find chapter 23. Now you find in chapter 23, in the very first verse, that the leaders of the people are called together for a final exhortation by Joshua. If you read this in verse 1, they've given, uh, the Lord has given Israel rest from their enemies, And Joshua has gotten old, and he called, verse 2, for all Israel, for their elders, for their heads, for their judges, for their officers, and he said, I'm old, and I am stricken in years. He called this meeting together at Shechem, and he called for the elders, that's the, the senators, the old wise men. He called for the heads, that's the chiefs. He called for the judges, those who interpreted and applied the law. And he called for the officers, those who enforced the law. And he made sure that all that they knew, that all that they had, was because the Lord had fought for them. Look at verse 3. You have seen all that the Lord your God has done unto all these nations because of you, For the Lord your God is he that hath fought for you. Down in verse 6, he exhorts them to be courageous and steadfast and obedient. He says, don't turn to the left, don't turn to the right, go straight forward in faith, trusting the Lord. Down in verses 12 and 13, he cautions them not to mix with or marry the heathen round about them, but to keep themselves separate from them. In verse 14, he rehearses their history, recalling the faithfulness of the Lord. Verse 14, he says, Behold, this day I'm going the way of all the earth, and you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God spake concerning you. All are come to pass, and not one thing has failed thereof. And then finally, in verses 15 and 16, he tells them that the way to preserve what the Lord has given them was in faithfulness to him. He tells them that everything the Lord has blessed them with, he will take from them if they become unfaithful. 
Now we get to chapter 24, and it seems like there's a repetition here of chapter 23. Because the very first verse of chapter 24 says, He gathered all the tribes to Shechem. He called for the elders of Israel. He called for the heads. He called for the judges. He called for the officers. And they presented themselves before God. Now here, this is an official, official gathering together before God. The other was an informal kind of gathering together. Now here, Joshua reminds them of the history of their God's faithfulness all the way down to the present time. He tells them in verse 2, our background was in idolatry. We came from uh, an idolatrous people. And he urges them to reject that history. And you'll notice again, verse 2, he says, Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. Now that's missing in chapter 23. He's speaking here in the name of the Lord. He's speaking officially as the spokesman for the Lord. He wants them to know that this is something that the Lord himself has told him to say to the people. He tells them in verse 3 that the Lord began his unique relationship with Israel with the call of Abraham out of idolatry. You notice he says, I took, God said, I took your father Abraham. It was a call grounded upon promises, signified by circumcision, demonstrated in the miraculous birth of Isaac when Abraham was 100 years old. Then he says, God sent us down into Egypt, verses 4 and 5, for over 400 years. And then he delivered us from Egypt. He tells how God delivered them from Pharaoh, verses 6 and 7. He tells them that in verses 8 through 10, he gave them victory over the Amorites and prevented Ken Balak and his hired prophet Balaam from cursing Israel. You remember that story when the, the king called this fellow Balaam and told curse Israel? And he said, I can't curse those whom God has blessed. Then in verse 11, he says, God has given us victory over seven nations, just as he promised. If you go back to chapter 3 and verse 10, you'll find there's a promise there. Then in verse 12, he says, to show his power over all things, God used hornets. He used hornets to defeat the two kings of the Amorites, Sihon and Og, again, just as he promised. You can see those promises in Exodus 23 and in Deuteronomy chapter 7. And he points out here this great fact that this victory did not come by force of arms, but by the power of God, and it became part of Israel's history. You notice, he says in verse 12, I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword, nor with thy bow. You didn't have anything to do with it. I gave you the victory completely. 
He tells them in verse 13, all that Israel possesses was given to them. I have given you a land for which you did not labor, and cities which you did not build, and you dwell in them. I've given you vineyards and olive yards which you did not plant, but you now do eat from them. Now to show gratefulness and to demonstrate faith in the Lord, he says, fear the Lord. That word is Yahweh, to stand in awe of, to have supreme reverence for. And he says, show this gratefulness and demonstrate this faith, verse 14, in sincerity and in truth. And put away, put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Depart from idolatry. Some of them still had little gods that they had in there from Egypt, even after all the things that the Lord has done for them. Serve the Lord is mentioned twice in verse 14, showing us something about the importance of it. And then he makes this statement. He says, If it seem evil to you, verse 15, to serve the Lord, then you choose this day whom you will serve. Whether you're the gods that your father served on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell today, but as for me and my house, he says, we will serve the Lord. So the question today that I have for all of you men is who are you serving? Who brought you into this world? Who has brought you thus far? Who has given you everything that you have? Who has put you in a nation of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? And he says, you make a choice about who you're going to serve. He said, you have a choice. He says this in verse 15. Your way or the Lord's way? The secular way or the sacred way? Your judgment, your ability to discern reality, he tells them, might be damaged because what's been in your life up to now. He said, if it seems evil to you, why would it seem evil to them? <laughs> Only if, if their whole discernment is damaged. If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, if it seems unjust, if it seems unreasonable, if it seems un inconvenient, you see, many people can't bear up, they can't bear to give themselves up to the Lord because they th reason, well, I'll have to give up certain things. But Joshua says you have a choice. His word, his will, his way ought to determine your choices. Our generation that we live in today, we want the blessings of the Lord without submitting to him. We want to be told that all we've got to do is give a nod to Jesus and we're bound for heaven. That's what we want to be told. Our generation wants the blessings of the Lord without any submission to him. 
And so I think Joshua was saying to his generation, don't let the culture we're living in determine the decisions we make. And I say the same to you. Don't let the voices of this culture, the voices of this world, come to us through television and through movies and through computers and through the internet. All of these voices calling to us. We're being told today who we are. We're being told today what we are. We're being told today how we are. Am I a boy? Am I a girl? Am I straight? Am I gay? Am I homosexual? Am I heterosexual? Am I neither? Many are so confused they don't even know what they are. And Joshua, I believe here, is calling for a sincere, truthful, and real decision. Now, I'm not a person who believes in the free will of man. Not in the sense that it is intended today by many of the theologians. Do you have a will? Yes. Are you able to freely will what you want to do? Yes. You can make any decision you want to make. But your will is bound by many things. It's bound by your body. It's bound by your appetite. It's bound by many things. The only person in this universe who has an absolute free will is the Lord himself. Nothing outside of himself influences his will. But we are influenced by everything. We are free moral agents. We can will this or will that, decide this or decide that. But if the Lord doesn't free us up from all of the things that impinge upon us, we're going to make wrong decisions. So Joshua was calling for a sincere, truthful, real decision. Joshua is calling for full-time servants and not part-time saints. So I ask you men, are you spiritual in church but secular when you leave? We men, are we men of God or are we men of the world? Are we spiritual in church, secular when we leave? Who do we belong to? Are we an idol worshiper? Well, people say, well, I don't think there are any idol worshipers today. Well, let me give you a simple definition. Anything that trumps God in your life is an idol. Let me ask you a question. Are you arranging God so you can fit him into your schedule? Or are you arranging your schedule so you can serve the Lord? That's what we've got today. We've got people that we'll worship God if we, just, if we just have time to do it. But we don't have time. We're going to shove him off here somewhere in the side, do our thing, and then expect him to come through for us whenever we get between a rock and a hard place. Let me ask you this. Are we praying to the Lord while serving idols? It might shock you, but Israel did this. Listen to these words. Instead of having your turn, I'll tell you where it is. 2 Kings chapter 17. Let me read some of it to you, beginning in verse 32. So they feared the Lord and made unto themselves of the lowest of them priests, of the high places, when sacrificed for them in the houses of the high places, they feared the Lord and served their own gods. After the manner of the nations, 
whom they carried away from there. Unto this day they do after their former manners. They fear not the Lord, neither do they really fear him, nor neither do they after their statutes or after their ordinances or after the law and commandments which the Lord commanded the children of Jacob, with whom the Lord made a covenant, and he charged them, saying, You shall not fear other gods, you shall not bow yourselves down to them, you shall not serve them, you shall not sacrifice to them. Him alone shall you fear, him alone shall you worship, and him alone shall you do sacrifice. But it says... In the 40th verse, howbeit they did not listen, but they did after their former manner. So these nations feared the Lord and served their graven images, both their children and their children's children, as did their fathers, so they do unto this day. Second Kings chapter 17. That's shocking. And this is why Joshua says to them in verse 14, put away your gods. Put away your gods. You say, well, I don't have any gods. Do you have anything in your house that makes you feel like you're lucky? Put it away. (laughs) Anything you think that brings you blessings? Put it away. Something or someone that is separating you from the will of God, as revealed in his word, get rid of it. We need some men today in America who will stand in the gap. We need some men who will stand up for the Lord. We're very much like ancient Israel. We have all of this religion, but how much of it is really real? Everyone from the priest to the prophet was going his own way. And Ezekiel, the prophet, tells us in the 22nd chapter of Ezekiel, God says through him, the priest break my law and have no respect for what is holy, Neither have they showed the difference between the clean and the unclean. They have ignored the Sabbath, that is, the the time of worship. As a result, I am profaned among them. Listen to this now. The government officials are like wolves tearing apart animals they have killed to shed blood and to destroy souls and to get rich dishonestly. The prophets have hidden these sins like men covering a wall with whitewash. They see false visions. They make false predictions. They claim to speak the word of the sovereign Lord, but I, the Lord, have not spoken to them. The wealthy cheat and rob. They mistreat the poor and take advantage of the stranger. Ezekiel chapter 22. Here's what the Lord did. Listen to this now. In that same chapter, Ezekiel 22, the Lord said, So I looked down on this people to see if I could find one man that would make up the heads and stand in the gap. If I could find one man, I said, I won't destroy the land. For one man. And he said, I couldn't find one man. They were standing up. You remember, we, you remember the old story of uh, the Lord going down to des- destroy Sodom and Gomorrah and all of the things that Abraham said, Lord, if you find 50 righteous, will you, will you pardon the city for 50? The Lord said, if I find 50, well, what if you find 40? Well, what if you find 30? He goes all the way down to 10. You know, there was a book, I mentioned it last week, why 
bad things happen to good people. You know the answer to that is? Why do, why do bad things happen to good people? The answer is, they don't. They don't. Romans chapter 3 says there's none good, no, not one. Bad things don't happen to good people because there ain't no good people. My dear friends, listen, we have got to understand that this thing of salvation is a matter of God Almighty bringing us to the place. I'm not saying that giving up things is salvation. I'm not saying that you determining I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to do that. I remember the old story told by Ralph Barnard where he was eating, he was preaching a meeting at a certain place, and he was having dinner with the family. And uh, the woman mentioned that her husband, who was eating with them, had not come to any of the meetings that Brother Barnard was preaching. And Brother Barnard said, well, why don't you come down and hear the word of the Lord? And he said, well, Mr. Barnard, he said, I tell you, he said, I, I just don't feel like I can with any clear conscience. He said, well, why, why is that? He said, well, I own a liquor store. Barnard said, you own a liquor store? Yes, sir. He said, well, I don't read anywhere in the Bible, he that owneth a liquor store should not hear the word of the Lord. He said, I don't read anywhere in the Bible that he that owneth a liquor store must sell the liquor store before he can be saved. He said, I don't see that anywhere in the scripture. He said, you come down and hear me preach. Well, a man came down. Barnard used to preach these two and three week meetings. The man was saved. And he sold his liquor store. Without any coercion from anybody. We need to leave people alone. And pray for the the Lord to deal with them. Until the Lord converts a person, they are not converted. The preachers, can, you can talk people into this and talk people into that. And if I can talk a man to come down the aisle and give his heart to Jesus, somebody else can talk him out of it. I guarantee you the Lord is the one who has to sell. He has, he's the one who has to save. So the Lord is looking here in this passage. He's looking for a man. Is there a man here who will stand in the gap? We can be males and not men. And men, we have sinned. All of us have. I stand here today as a father who falls far short of being the kind of man and father that I should have been. But we have an antidote. And that antidote is repentance and confession. So let's go back to the Lord and let's confess to him. This is a way to be delivered and freed from the bondage of guilt. This is a way to triumph over the powers of darkness. 1 John chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. If we say we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not do the truth. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, keeps on cleansing us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As one brother said, he said, what we want today, we want a cafeteria God. We want to pick and choose what we want and what we'll do and what we won't do and how we'll do it. 
The Lord is looking for a man, and this is what Joshua said. Let me narrow this down and conclude it. First of all, Joshua says this is urgent. This is urgent. If you look again, chapter 24 and verse 15, he says, Choose you this day, this day. This is an urgent thing. You don't have tomorrow. You're not promised tomorrow. James tells us you don't know what a day will bring forth. There are people who said, I'm going to do it tomorrow. I heard a story. Two men told me this story. Two men who sold a particular kind of insurance. And uh, they talked to Conway Twitty when he was alive. And they presented him this particular type of insurance. Uh, and Conway said, I like it. I'll take it. I've got one trip I've got to make to Branson. And when I get back, we'll take care of it. On the way from Branson, coming back from Branson, Missouri, they stopped at a certain place. All of his band got off to go in and stretch and get something to eat. When he came back on the bus, Conway Twitty was dead. You don't know what a day is going to bring forth, my friend. Joshua said, today. He said, today. Today is the day of salvation. Nobody ever got saved tomorrow. They're saved today. He said, choose you this day. It's urgent. No more procrastination. No more hiding and dodging. No more let somebody else do it. This is the day of decision. Secondly, Joshua said, this is personal. This is personal. He says, as for me, as for me, verse 15, this is the day that you choose. This is the day of decision. He says, as for me, no one else can make this decision for you. Joshua said, I'm the Lord's man. You can choose for yourself. He said, if you aren't going to serve the Lord, don't hinder me. That's what D.J. Ward used to say. D.J. Ward said, I'm going to heaven. If you don't want to go, don't hinder me. Don't be mean about it, but be clear about it. Don't be arrogant, but be firm. Ask for me. Then thirdly, not only is it urgent, not only is it personal, but it's familial. It, it has to do with your family. He says, add for me and my house. Joshua knew that the Lord holds the man responsible for the, the spiritual state of the family. The Bible clearly tells us that Eve was the first sinner, but the Lord held Adam responsible. Doesn't mean you're responsible for the mess, man, but you are responsible to fix it. Do you have prayer in your family? Who leads in prayer? Who's getting everybody up to worship? Who makes sure that they get there to worship? I don't think worship ought to be optional. You know, we read in the Bible about all these great heroes of faith trusting the Lord, and we can't even trust the Lord on small minor things. We can't say, well, I'm going to put this out of the way, and I'm going to go worship the Lord and he'll, he'll, he'll bless me in ways that I can't even imagine about missing whatever I thought I had to do. 
As for me and my house, he said, not my neighborhood, not my friends, not your friends. This may be, they may be doing this and they may be doing that. They may be following this trend. They may be following that trend, but they don't control what goes on in this house. I'm responsible for that. When my son Trace was a little boy, you'll probably remember this, he came in one day and he wanted to do something. I forget what it was and I don't even remember what it was or why. But one of his buddies in the neighborhood, his mom and dad were going to let him do this. Might have been Doug. I don't remember if it was Doug or not, Trace. But anyway, Trace wanted to do something and I said, well, we're not going to be able to do that. He said, well, and all of us have done this as kids. He said, well, well Doug, mom, dad, going to let him do it. And my response was, that's interesting, but what does that have to do with you? <laughs> we can't do that. As for me and my house, me and my house, this is what we're going to do. My neighbors may be doing this, the city of Franklin may be doing that, but they don't control what goes on in this house. I'm responsible for that. If we want the Lord's blessings on our homes, our homes must serve the Lord. And then Joshua addressed the community. He says, this is urgent, this is personal, this is familial, my family. Then it says, whether choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served or were on the other side of the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. He said, you know, the community is made up of my friends, my neighbors, people I work with, people I socialize with. And he said in verse 15, if this seems evil to you, to serve the Lord, then you choose whom you will serve. You may want to serve the gods your father served, he said. You may want to serve the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. If this is not the way you see it, okay. My class, my culture, my race may not want to go where I'm going. But I'll tell you what I and my house are going to do. We will serve the Lord. That's what we're going to do. And worship is not optional. It's not if you want to, if you feel like it, if you like it. We're going, we're going to serve the Lord. And then lastly, it's covenantal. Covenantal. Look at verse 25. Verse 25. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and set them a statue and an ordinance in Shechem. We honestly say Shechem, Shechem. What they're doing here is they really are confirming a covenant that's already made. They're under the covenant through Moses and the law. This covenantal term, terminology here, of, of terms, I should say, from verse 16 to verse 25, 
tells us about it. Let's, let's take the time to read it. Look at it. The people answered, verse 16, God forbid we should forsake the Lord and serve other gods. Verse 17, the Lord our God, he is it that brought us up, brought our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. Verse 18, the Lord drove out from before us all the people. We'll serve the Lord. He is our God. And Joshua said in verse 19, you can't serve the Lord. This is what the King James is a little awkward here. You can't serve the Lord. He's a holy God. He's a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions. What Joshua is saying is, look, don't take this thing lightly. Don't just be saying, oh, no, we're going to serve God. He said, this is a serious matter here. This is a serious matter because if you say we're going to serve the Lord and you don't really serve the Lord, he is going to hurt you as badly as he's blessed you. Watch this. Verse 20. If you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, he'll turn and do you hurt. He'll consume you. Now how would we apply that today under the gospel? Well, here's the way I would apply it. If you know the Lord, if you belong to the Lord and you are in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you follow after other things and you become obedient, you're in for a world of chastisement. He's going to chastise you. He's going to deal with you. He's going to deal with you because he loves you and he, because he knows that these other things that you're going after and that your heart is going after will only do you hurt. So he's going to deal with you. The Lord chastens those whom he loves. That's what the scripture says. And so he led them to making this covenant to show them how serious this was. He said, we're going to make a covenant today with the Lord. And it says in verse 26 that he wrote these words in the book of the law. And then he took a great stone and he set it up under an oak as a testimony. And Joshua said, this stone, verse 27, is a witness it has heard all of the words of the Lord which he spake to us. It shall be a witness unto you, lest you deny your God. So Joshua let the people depart, and then he died. He died. Verse 29, it came to pass after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him. And it says that Joshua served the Lord all the days of his life. And the elders that were alive when he was the leader, they served the Lord. And then what happened? Well, we know what happened when we read the book of Judges. They began to depart from the Lord. I think we need to consider how serious this is that it required a covenant. Joshua led Israel into a covenant pledge. Perhaps we have failed. Perhaps we have promised the Lord things and we fail. Well, I'm happy to tell you that the Lord gives covenant renewal. Go to him and confess to him. We know Joshua's choice. What's our choice? What are we going to do? Can we say in our heart of hearts, men, 
I'm going to serve the Lord. By the grace of God, I'm going to serve the Lord. I might goof up, I might make mistakes, but I'm not going to quit. I'm going to serve the Lord. We need men today in America who are going to say, I'm going to serve the Lord. For me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. The men have been absent in America. They've been absent. They're gone. And we're in a world of trouble because that's not the order that God gave. As I always say on Mother's Day, or most of the time on Mother's Day, I say to all of the women who say, I want to be equal with men. For you to be equal with men means you have to go down. <laughs> it doesn't mean you're going up. We're, we're given the idea today in America that women are somehow trampled on and they want to be up, they want to be lifted up. Now to be equal with men, you'd have to be brought down. Women should be on a pedestal. Women should be held up. But men today are taking second seats and not taking the seat God gave them in the responsibility of leading their families. So the Lord does give us covenant renewal. We go to him, we confess. We know Joshua's choice. What's our choice? When Elijah assembled the 450 prophets of the God of Baal, this is what he said to the people. He said, how long will you halt between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. And that's what I'm saying to you today. How long will we go back and forth? How long will we seesaw? And James tells us that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Oh, that we can get a few men together who will take the Joshua plague. Who knows what the Lord may do with a few men who will make this confession. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Did you hear the story about the fellow that over in Africa? He came up on a huge rhinoceros, and the rhinoceros was dead. And there was a little pygmy standing by the rhinoceros. And the fellow was from America. He'd been over there on a hunt. He stopped his jeep, and he got out. And he said to this little pygmy, what's the story here? Uh, did you kill this huge animal? And he said, yeah, I killed him. He said, with what? Well, I said, he said, I killed him with my club. He said, well, uh, how big is your club? He said, I'd say there's probably a hundred people in my club. <laughs> Well, that ought to give us a little idea about us getting together and praying together and trying to exhort one another together and not let little things divide us. Let's, let's center around Christ. Let's center around the Lord. Let's say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. There's not a perfect man here today. All of us are imperfect. All of us have goofed up. All of us have messed up. But the Lord is a God who will forgive us. This is the day of decision. Bear with me now, and I'm going to try to complete this. How many of you 
I, I, I'm embarrassed he asked this question. Everybody here knows who Bob Dylan is or Bob Dylan. Well, even Bob Dylan recently has been worried that maybe Dylan has been converted to Jesus as the Messiah. But Dylan wrote a song called You're Gonna Have to Serve Somebody. You're gonna have to serve somebody. And listen to what he said. He said, you may be an ambassador to England or France. You might like to gamble, you might like to dance. You might be the heavyweight champion of the world. You might be a socialite with a long string of pearls. You might be a rock and roll addict prancing on a stage. You might have drugs at your command and hold the ace of spades. You might be a businessman or some high degree thief. You may, they may call you a doctor or they may call you a chief. You might be a state trooper. You might be a young Turk. You might be the head of some big TV network. You may be rich or poor. You may be blind or lame. You may be living in another country under another name. You may be a construction worker working on a home. You may be living in a mansion. You might be living in a dome. You may own guns. You may even own tanks. You might be somebody's landlord. You may own banks. You may be a preacher preaching spiritual pride. Maybe a councilman taking bribes on the side. You may be working in a barbershop. You may know how to cut hair. You may be somebody's mistress or somebody's heir. You might like to wear cotton. You might like to wear silk. You might like to drink whiskey. You might like to drink milk. You might like to eat caviar. You might like to eat bread. You might be sleeping on the floor. You might be sleeping in a king-size bed. They may call you Terry, they may call you Timmy, they may call you Bobby, they may call you Zimmy. They may call you RJ, they may call you Ray, they may call you anything, but no matter what you say, you're going to have to serve somebody. You're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil and it might be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Men, never mind your past. There's not one thing you can do about it. That's over and done. But this day, you can't change what's been done, but you might have an impact on how it's going to end by changing your mind today about some things. Choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. All right? I think my, my singing days are about over, but I asked for this song, so I'm going to try to do it for you with their... Uh, Help. Thank you okay. And you help me out if you know the, the song. I thought number one would surely be me. Thought I could be 
what I wanted to be. And I thought I could build on life's sinking sand. But I can't even walk without you holding my hand. I thought I could do a lot on my own. Thought I could paint all alone. Thought of myself as a mighty big man, but I can't even walk without you holding my hand. Sing it with me, Lord. I can't even. The valley is too wide Down on my knees That's where I learned to stand Because I can't even walk Without you holding my hand One Sunday, Jesus Became my all and all. From now on, when I'm in trouble, only His name I call. And if I don't trust in Him, I'm less than a man. Cause I can't even walk without you holding. Stand together and sing with us. Sing it with us. Lord, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. mountain is too high. The mountain is too high. Valley is too wide. And the valley is too wide. Down on my knees. Down on my knees. That's where I learned to stand. Because I can't even walk without you holding my hand. Lord, I can't even walk without you holding my Father, we call upon you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we men confess that there's only one perfect Father. Thou art our Father, thou art our God. You're the one who's called us out of our lifestyles, out of our sins, out of the way we were headed, and unto thyself. Now I pray, Lord, for all the men here today, whether they're fathers or not, that you'll put into their heart the desire to follow Joshua in his confession. That I'm not going to serve these other gods. I don't care what my neighborhood does. I don't care what my friends do. I don't care what others do. My business colleagues, that's for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. 
Father, give us men whose desire is to serve you. We confess we have failed, we have sinned, we have fallen short. But you're the God whose mercy is everlasting, whose grace is infinite. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ washes away all sin. We pray, Father, that you'll wash us in that blood now and forevermore, keeping our gaze upon Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. Now bless us as we part. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. You are our Father. You're the one who sent your only begotten Son into the world, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We pray in his name and for his sake. Amen. And you're dismissed. Thank you.